We're back with the Reaction Podcast after a little bit of a summer break. We had some vacations, some mission trips. Where did you go, Mike? Did you go anywhere this summer? I went to the Czech Republic. We actually spent two weeks teaching a music camp there. Wow. And it was an incredible experience. What uh, instrument do you play? Bringing our high schoolers to their high schoolers. I taught a video workshop because I only know four chords on the guitar and I don't know how to strum. But uh, <laughs> it was a great week. I was there That's to awesome. take. I was there to take video mainly. Uh, but it was a really cool trip. We are in a series now. Summer nights is over. We're back, yes. kind of in the regular routine of Sunday mornings. And school has begun. We are in a series as we head back to school called Elements. Uh, it's about revival. What are the elements of revival uh, in in people? How do you create movements within the church of revival where people's hearts are waking up, where they're realizing who Jesus is and what that means mm. for their lives? And uh, this week, Cameron, you preached on Acts 2.42. Yep. And the word that we really honed in on was truth. Yeah. Why Acts? Why truth? Well, Acts is the ultimate picture of, if we're looking at, right, the elements or the ingredients that went into the revival that launched us into where we are today, right, with the church. You've got to start in Acts. Uh, Brad started by talking about how Jesus, right, promised to send the Holy Spirit uh, because he was going to leave. And uh, when the Holy Spirit came at the festival of Pentecost, you know, Peter stood up and preached this uh, sermon and a bunch of people were like, what are we supposed to do with what you just said? And he said, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people were baptized. So it's this crazy big mountaintop experience. And then the question about, so what are we supposed to do now, right? Like now that um, this emotional high, right, has kind of worn off or like this big moment that we experienced where 3,000 people were baptized. Like what's what are our next steps individually, but also as a community? What are we supposed to do? Uh, Acts 2.42 gives us that picture, but it also tells us um, a little bit about what um, with, when, with the church's origin story, right, how what kinds of habits and routines they had as a community. And it says in Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, um, which on their own, like each of those things on their own, seems unremarkable, unremarkable yeah. Yeah, as you would say, or uh, just ordinary. But those are the things that they committed themselves to, that they devoted themselves to. And because of that, right, because a group of people uh, adopted those habits and routines and, and valued those things above everything else, we're standing here today uh, talking about Jesus, right, and, and being a part of the same thing called the church, which is wild. Yeah, within context of truth, like these things become something that have incredible meaning. They have power behind them because it's under the context of this truth that doesn't change yeah. because there's going to be things that sound true coming from a lot of different voices. Mm -hmm. There were back then and there are now. There's an election coming up. There's political debates starting. There's TV shows. There's social media movements. There's social issues that are changing and things uh, even that you're hearing at school and among your friends that are going to come at you as a high school student uh, that sound really, really true. Mm-hmm. What is the thermometer that we measure truth with? Like, where do we go back to to really figure out how do I filter what I'm hearing to know whether it's true or it's just noise? Yeah, and filter is a great word. The filter through which we run what we're seeing and what we're hearing through is scripture. Um, and what scripture ultimately says about 
us, what Scripture says about Jesus, what Scripture says about uh, God, and ultimately, uh, we all have a story that we believe about the world and about the God who created it, right? And Scripture tells us uh, not just what that story is, but it tells us the truest version of that story. Um, everything that we see and everything that we uh, experience and how we feel about that, it's a great gauge. Um, on how things are, but it's a poor guide. I think what our guide, and if you want to look at it that way or if you want to look at it through a filter, uh, the filter that you run things through and the thing that is supposed to be guiding you uh, as you are confused and walking through this this bizarre landscape that we live in now, uh, it has to be the truth of Scripture. That That is our bedrock. That's our foundation. That's what we um, kind of build everything off of. It's how we understand what it is that we're seeing and experiencing. Yeah, and I think the other thing to, to think about with truth when you look at Scripture is that truth bears fruit. Like, mm-hmm. it has consequence, and if it didn't, then it wouldn't matter. You can believe whatever you want if it doesn't mean anything in your life. But when you look at the church in Acts and when you look at the life of Jesus, the truth that is there has an effect on the actions that you do in your life. And so a a great place to start in thinking about, like, what is the truth that I believe is, well, what are the things that I'm doing, and does that reflect what I say that I believe? Yeah. Or do I believe something that's different than the thing that I say I'm believing? Because if those two things line up, what you believe and what you say you believe, then your actions are going to line up with those because truth bears fruit. Yeah. So, Brad, as you look at how truth and action line up in the home, uh, what do you do in the life of a high school student to promote truth, right. to build that foundation? Yeah, and I know kind of what you know what you and I were just talking about um, offline a little bit of um, kind of what you live and what you believe when those things line up. You 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 begin to see the fruit of of that, um, and then I would say that you know the the if you kind of using that analogy or that metaphor, um, you know, you would say good trees bear good fruit, right? And, and that, even if you trace it back, it's, it's, all, it's all based on the root system, right? So a, a, a tree that's rooted, that has good roots, it's rooted in good things, is gonna bear good fruit. So you got good roots, you got a good tree, you got a good tree, you got good fruit. And so, um, you know, as I was thinking through this, um, you know, even looking at, at, uh, at Deuteronomy 6, um, which is, You know, this is like the, just some context even behind this is, you know, this is, you got a group of people, the Israelites who have wandered in the desert um, for, for 40 years. And now you've got this kind of new generation, and then this is their second shot at being able to, to enter into the promised land. The first time they were not able to enter in because, you know, of all the, the, just the idolatry and, and, and sin and, and all just the junk and mess uh, that was in their lives. And so, look, it's like, all right, yeah, because, because of all this, because despite the fact that God just rescued you from four centuries of slavery, uh, despite the fact that you've watched him split a sea in two and provide and all that kind of stuff, you still are. Uh, are not willing to 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 believe, not willing to root yourself in truth and faith and things like that. You're gonna have to wander for 40 years. Uh, here they are now coming back after 40 years of wandering in the desert, and we got a second shot of this. And so Deuteronomy is like the second reading of of the law. Like if we want to do this, y'all, this is what we have to believe. Um, and something from Deuteronomy six 
that I think is is cool. One that the, the like the the sub the the subheading or the heading in, the, in that is a wholehearted a call for wholehearted commitment um, to that. But this is what it says. And I'll just kind of read from this a little bit. It says these are the commands, the decrees and regulations uh, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Joshua right talking here. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. Uh, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised. Um, this is listen, O Israel, the Lord, your God is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right. Jesus quotes that. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting, when, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, and I think that to me, man, as we talk about just truth and what truth is and being devoted to that and being committed to that, it's it's not just doing a once a week kind of thing, right? Um, and this is not an indictment on parents and families, um, but I can tell you that there have been times in a, in a, you know, in almost two decades of doing student ministry that personally I've seen and watched um, parents and families that they come in with the expectation that their student pastors or the volunteer leaders that are that are leading their students small group uh, that that person you know whether it's a student pastor or a volunteer le- volunteer leader that's the person right now that's in charge of the spiritual development of their kids um, and I just have to say and we well, I shared this with parents not long ago um, with a group of parents not long ago of going if your expectation is for me or any one of our high school staff to be the primary disciple of your student, that student's long-term discipleship has already failed just based on the limited influence that we get in the life of a high school student. Uh, because if that student's just coming to Sunday morning programming, if they're coming and listen to, listening to you know, an hour-long service you know, of worship and teaching, uh, and we do this, I mean, even for us, like we, have, we do 47 out of 52 weekends in high school ministry. So that means you're saying that you hope that 47 hours out of almost 8,900 hours in a year is going to be enough, or to even put it more simply, two days out of 365 is going to be enough to to disciple your student, right? To get them rooted in truth um, so that that fruit is good. It's crazy. It's ludicrous um, to think that that's going to be enough. And so, um, you know, the that abdication of that place in in the in the life of a student to say you know hey moms and dads are going hey listen this is too much for me i got my my hair's on fire i got a whole lot going on hey listen my expectation is you student pastor with with 47 47 hours two days out of 365 i need you to be the primary discipling force in the life of my kid um yeah that's we're we're setting ourselves up for failure uh and so like what what we're what we read in, in deuteronomy um, you know, this challenge, the second reading of the law as Joshua is getting ready to lead the people across, you know, the Jordan River 
into the promised land. It's this is what we have to be committed to. This is what we wholeheartedly have to be uh, committed to here uh, in order in order to do this. And so we've got to, like it says, talk about it as we come and as we go um, to have these conversations, whether we're at home around the dinner table, whether we're in the, the car, you know, going to carpool or to, to practice, uh, whether we're at home and we're getting ready for bed, whatever it may be, um, to have these conversations about what we believe in the truth and, and, and things like that. Um, and then I love that he talks about to, you know, like write it on your forehead, you know, bind it on your forehead, um, which is the, the Hebrew term there is tattoo, right? It's what we get tattoo from. It's like engrave this on yourself. Um, so, you know, we know that like they're there's the argument sometime of going, well, the Bible says we shouldn't get tattoos. Well, Moses right here, you know, in, in the, the you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what, like in whatever whatever number it is of book uh, is going, no, this is what you're supposed to do. Like actually engrave this on yourself, um, you know, to, to where you don't forget it. Um, whatever it takes, don't, don't forget this kind of stuff. And so uh, I think, you know, for us as parents, it is. It's leveraging the the common space and the common time uh, and the time that we have with our with our kids around us uh, to be able to have some of these conversations about. Hey, this is what we believe, um, and it's it's both asking questions and also engaging in conversation. Um, it's it is. I think a mixture of um, of of listening, but also talking or. Uh, teaching at, at the same time that we want to listen to to what's going on in the lives of our kids, and so you know, as parents, we've got to make sure that we're that we're rooted in that as well, um, because it's not just we're not just talking about our students; it's us as well. Your roots will determine the fruit. Right, and so the roots determine the quality of the tree, which determines the quality of the fruit. And so, I think even for parents, it's going. Oh, what do I need to do to become more rooted and established in my relationship with Jesus, so that I'm strengthened uh, in that? You know, good trees are strong trees, and so that the fruit that is born in my life um, is is fruit that's rooted in truth and rooted in those things. And and really, the fruit of our lives as parents, it's our kids. That's what that's what's born out of us, right? Um, and so I think those, those kinds of things are, are important for us to stay rooted and to continue to grow deeper roots and not just be satisfied with a Sunday to Sunday. Well, I went to church, I checked the box um, and, and I listened to a good sermon from Kyle or a good sermon from whoever. And yeah, I checked the box. That was good. Uh, and then let it go out the window. You know, it's like, no, like you've got an opportunity. Uh, even, I mean, again, let's just talk about our church here and our campus here. You've got a good 35, 45 minutes from the time you get in your car to, to the time you get to Blankenbaker or Watterson Trail just because of the traffic, you know, alone trying to get out of here uh, where, where I mean, you can you can have those conversations when it's fresh on your brain of, you know, Kyle said this today. Um, I mean, this really stuck out to me, or this is really challenging me. Uh, you know, and even having the conversations with your students, because you know, some, sometimes what we talk about in student world is different than what they talk about on the weekends and in, in main service with the adults. So, going, hey, what are you all talking about? What's challenging you? I think it's even good for us as parents to be transparent in the things that challenge us. Of going, and I didn't even think about this this way until now. Um, kind of getting out from underneath this, having to feel this pressure of having it all right all the time or knowing everything all the time it's good for me to 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 be able to 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 share in a vulnerable and transparent way to my own kids or even to the to our students at times ago i didn't know this before or this is something that i read this week that's just rocking my world right now because it's just getting in there and doing some work 
uh, for my kids to know that I'm a work in progress is a, is a huge deal. And so I think even for parents to know we're all people in progress um, and, and there are things that are still challenging us and that puts us on the same page with our kids and allows our kids then to go, hey, what's challenging me? So, um, you know, that, that Deuteronomy 6, man, is, is something that I think, man, I would have all parents read that, just those first few verses in, in Deuteronomy um, chapter 6. It just talks about, I mean, this is when we should be talking about this stuff. This is where we should be talking about this stuff. Uh, this is how we should be talking about this stuff. And, and to do so in a way that is, that's vulnerable and transparent, uh, that allows your kids to see you grow um, and allows your kids to see you being challenged by the truth. Because if they see you being challenged and you responding to that in a way that is stretching and growing, then they're going to be more likely to, to lean into that uh, when those opportunities come for them too. Yeah, that scripture is so good. It's got to be saturating. It's not just another voice that you plug into the family routine, but it is the thing that puts everything else in context. It is the voice that is always present, not just on Sundays, but in everything you do. Yeah. That's, re- that's really, really good. Yeah. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, yeah. And I think, you know, too, I, for, for moms and dads to go, all right, um, you can always determine the roots by the fruit. And so I would just have you do an evaluation, and maybe this is a good time uh, you know, for for married couples to to get together after the you know the kids are doing homework or uh, you got a quiet moment in the house, um, you know, and just say, okay, let's can we just evaluate the fruit of our lives? Like, what do we feel like the fruit? You know, is the fruit that's being born from our relationship good? Or you know, for for single parents, um, even then maybe it's 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 sitting down with a, with with some friends or a neighbor um, and just saying, hey, can 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 I bounce some things off of you right here of of and this is I just want I just need somebody to help me evaluate the fruit of my life right now um, and be honest with that and I think be vulnerable with that and be transparent with that uh, and if the fruit of your life isn't where it's supposed to be then be at then begin to ask yourself all right so what needs to change what needs to shift uh, in order for that to happen and then begin to press into some of those opportunities I think as a church there's lots of things that we offer here um, to help people grow uh, in their spiritual maturity in their walk with Christ um, we're our, I think our, our bread and butter is making disciples that can make disciples that can make disciples. That's what we're after. Um, and so I think taking advantage of some of those disciple-making opportunities and saying, man, I've, there's room for me to grow here um, and figuring out what those things are. Uh, because, it, again, it's like you, you, you trace it back of going, all right, this is the fruit. Well, the fruit's tied to the tree, the strength and well-being of the tree, and the tree is completely dependent upon the strength and well-being of the roots. Um, and so I do think it's good for, for us as, as parents and families to, to kind of take stock of that and go, eh, maybe the fruit's not what it's supposed to be. Maybe, and maybe what's getting in the way of the fruit right now is I spend a disproportionate amount of time right now in, in caring about my job, uh, the things that I do, and and what I'm doing is is becoming more important than who I'm becoming uh, as a mom or a dad or as just as a person chasing after Jesus. Um, and those kinds of things are big deals. Of, of all right, so if that's the case, if what I'm doing in my nine to five or you know my whatever my 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever work is requiring of me, is taking priority. If my doing is taking priority or of my, over my becoming, uh, at that point, you know, again, you're looking at it going. It's just a matter of time before the roots dry up. And then the tree gets weak, and then the fruit gets bad. 
Um, and so having those honest conversations and evaluating the fruit of your life and going, okay, so what needs to shift in order for this to get healthier um, is always a good thing to do. Yeah, that's good. Read Deuteronomy 6 and take a second to evaluate the uh, the fruit in order to evaluate the roots. Being rooted in truth is important to revival in the church. It's important for revival in the family. And uh, that's our element for this week. Next week we're talking about selflessness and how that's a essential element as well. Back on the regular HSM schedule, 905-1115 on Sunday mornings. Hope to see families at the block. That's right. That's good. We'll see you next week.